I'm just hoping to God that we can just see a post-credit scene where one of the bombs that Doc set off is in the timeline where the finale of Secret Evasion happened. Because you reminded me that that shit was... <laughs> it just needs to go. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Popcorn for Dinner podcast and we are here to talk Loki season two. We missed the first week but we're back and we're going to talk about the first two episodes. Um, I should mention if you're joining us for the first time, we do podcasts on all sorts of shows. Currently we've got Gen V episodes going on. We've got episodes of Sex Education, the final season, final season of Top Boy as well. Winning Time, unfortunately got cancelled and The Continental. And yeah, we are excited to talk to you about Loki. Joining me, we've got Fat Four from the Sons of Mjolnir podcast. And we've got Jeremiah, who's a returning guest to Popcorn for Dinner as well. And yeah, long-time listeners will probably realize I've got a promotion because I have been hustling as a guest host for months on this podcast. And behold, I am now hosting a podcast. So please you know, give this the best ratings ever so I can keep coming on and you can keep hearing my voice. Cool. Um, so I mentioned my two guests, um, so I want to go to them now. Um, so first, Jeremiah, welcome. What, how are you doing? What do you think about um, Loki so far? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for the intro. Um, it's great to be back on the podcast to talk about Loki and us and people like me who have done some terrible awful things like convincing Banky to cover Loki season two um yeah I'm just excited to talk about it nice 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 we're not gonna ask what terrible things you did but at least we're on air now <laughs> um and yeah we've got a for the first time on the podcast we've got Fat Four here um he's also the comic editor from streamer if you know him from that um welcome what do you how you feeling what, what have you got to say about Loki Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Like I told you all in the chat, you know, any opportunity to talk about Loki, I'm there. So like you said, thank you so much for having me. But I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm excited to talk about this new episode and last week's episode. I'm just I, I love this Loki era that we're living in, man. I love it. So I'm excited. Amazing. Amazing. Honestly, like I'm glad you said that because um for me loki's my favorite marvel disney plus show i think mm -hmm. anyone who listened to our season one episodes probably just heard me gush about so many different <laughs> things and stuff um so i'm really really excited that you know we're getting to do this um so yeah so what we're gonna do we're not just gonna start going through all of episode one and you know all of that again so we're gonna go through episode two and obviously things from episode one will come up and we'll talk about them as we go on so obviously I want to start like chronologically. Um, let's start with that opening sequence, you know, just pretty much from the start to the title card. I guess you can call it a cold open, even though it's kind of long. What did you guys think about that? Um, start with Far 4. I thought it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. I... I love when we get to any opportunity to get Mobius and Loki going on like a little adventure together. I am all for it. 
but I thought it was really cool. Uh, first of all, when they're pe- when they're walking up to the theater, we see a Kingo poster from the Eternals, which I thought was really cool. Just like nice. another little reminder that they're still out there. And also in the comics, uh, as Guardians and Eternals have a very long history together. And also we know in the MCU that they know each other. So I thought that uh-huh. was just really cool, like a fun nod. But I, one thing I really love about the scene altogether is uh, Brad Wolf, the guy who plays him. Yep. Uh, what is his name? I I had it written down. Uh, Ruff, Raphael Casal, I think. Something yeah, along those yeah, lines. Man, he is great. Like he is. Don't get me wrong. He's an asshole, but he's very charismatic about it. Like I really yep. liked his introduction when he's like talking to all the movie people, and he's like, "Ah, oh, come on. What do you mean? I'm on a date here. Like blah blah blah." Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was awesome. Oh no, that yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed that secret. And it's it's good you shouted out Rafael Casal because, you know, I didn't quite like him in the first episode. Um, I just kind of felt like I don't know, I did I I just got a weird kind of one note vibe from him. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, and and if you're a karate kid or Cobra Kai fan, he does the um what's it called? The thing that um Cobra Kai always do, like the kind of villainous um you know holding of the gi and i was like oh, he's he's copying he, he's copying that and i was like what what is what is going to be his role but then this episode is just such a 180 and i'm like okay this is it's got so much energy and yeah <laughs> no i'm glad you shouted him out and yeah i really enjoyed him um Jeremiah, what do you think yeah same i thought it was awesome i had like i think that scene of that scene where loki's doing the shadow play and you're like okay so loki's finally he's outside of the tv and he's finally getting another opportunity to use his magic and then we get like so many throwbacks to the character he's been Uh i loved seeing that getting that whole adventure like him and mobius are hunting someone together like i mean to a certain extent to go with the dc show it was kind of giving legends of tomorrow just a little bit Uh listen i like i like that show too so yeah um especially with the whole time travel shenanigans and i think this is one of the first times we're having extended periods of time on mm-hmm. the sacred timeline on earth. So it was cool to see that as well. Cause a lot of season one was, yes, it was on the, t- like we, we had them on the timeline, but it would be in like different, different planets, which is great to see as well. But like, um, it was just like a different direction in terms of where the shenanigans for the season would be taking place. So I was excited for that. And I was excited to just see, classic throwbacks to loki as a character as well so yeah that was cool yeah like you know i'm always here for any love for legends of tomorrow um i feel like very underappreciated show it did go off the rails at times but you know it was uh it was quite good but that's 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 for dc (laughs) um but yeah no like like you mentioned it was really great to see loki's powers i think that's one of the things from season one that i know you know people complained about i think it was i was fine with it but people complained in season one was like it wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a lot of Loki that you could have swapped Loki out for almost any character. Like you couldn't, you didn't see his abilities and things like that. Um, And I thought it was cool as well because, you know, it was a very kind of suave, you know, setting, you know, how they were dressed and stuff. And, you know, for once you could see that Loki kind of enjoyed being the muscle. If you think about it, he's always, you know, behind someone bigger, you know, if it's behind Thanos and the Chitauri and stuff, or, you know, or when he's with Thor and stuff. But, you know, for once, he's the he's the kind of enforcer and Mobius is the one kind of behind him. And you could kind of tell, like, you know, Tom Hiddleston was enjoying himself. And I think when an actor is enjoying himself, it always kind of, kind of comes through. Um, 
So yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed that opening sequence and, you know, playing around with the powers and, and, you know, old school, I guess, old school Hollywood, so to speak as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to quickly shout out an Easter egg. Obviously, Brad Wolf stars in the movie Zaniac. I had a feeling there was something there, so I looked it up before coming on. <laughs> Zaniac is a four villain from like a very obscure, I think, one issue comic. Yeah, Thor three, um, 319 uh, from Walt Simonson. And that's why we've got you on the point. <laughs> <laughs> I can only shine a light. I got on you, I man. I got you. I can only shine a light on things. I can't take it all the <laughs> way. So, so great <laughs> one for team, teamwork. Um, so no, that that was that was really for me a really great way to open, um, into um, open the episode. But then getting into the meat of the episode, I think what what's one thing that's really really working for me right is that we're almost. So whilst we're advancing, there's like a big plot in the background, right? Which I think has to do with the sort of time loop and, you know, explosions and everything. But then each episode also has like a little sort of like, you know, plot as well or like mission. So it feels like we are achieving stuff, but then, you know, there's something big still coming. So mm-hmm. um how do you guys kind of feel about that in terms of a structure of like, there's kind of an impending doomsday, but you know, we've got almost kind of like a video game. We've got these little side missions we're doing so we can get to it. Um, Jeremiah, what did you think about that? I was actually thinking about this in the shower, like not too long ago. It was like, I had mixed feelings about that specific feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I like the narrative structure in terms of like, okay, like there's this big issue. Like literally there's a point where Loki literally says, you know, I was time slipping and now I have time to deal with this. And we're, it's kind of like playing on what you're saying. Uh, this idea that we're, we're, we're solving the small things first, but the big one is growing. And for me, it's like, I had the opportunity to, get some answers from this episode uh-huh. but i still have so many questions which i guess is the <laughs> thing with any show like that makes you be patient and wait one week instead of dropping everything all at once uh-huh. is i kind of have to wait to see whether those things would be for example sylvie is all the way in broxton oklahoma uh-huh. why there and On why the branch not, timeline you know, Mm-hmm. yeah of course but why there and why not um she's as guardian so why not somewhere in asgard why has she decided that this mcdonald's is the simple place that she wants to be in um what was going on at the end of time what was general dox's actual plan because fair enough we see what she was doing we don't really get the why and it's those kinds of things on we advance a lot as in we see certain things that were certain questions that were asked within this episode answered within this episode but then in terms of like the larger scale of where the season is going mm-hmm. we still don't have enough information which is the frustrating <laughs> part for me but i still like i'm still i'm still comfortably on the side of i like this i like where this is going okay i'll just just for um ticking boxes sake so you mentioned like not knowing why she was there i hope you didn't miss the post credit scene in the first episode i mean that as in the one where um uh, what's it called? Where Sylvie first goes and tries to order yeah, from yeah. McDonald's. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. 
Yeah, no, but what I mean is, like, we know what's going on there, but, like, what was General Dox's actual plan? Why has she made that decision to mm-hmm. do what she's going to do? Like, is this because is this, is this because she just feels like this is all I've ever known and mm-hmm. we're just going to keep pruning because we're going to keep pruning? Or is it she actually has some relationship to he who remains as well and it's like she's also scared of what he's warned about and she's like, this is the best way to do I don't know. Like, I want to know what her motivations are as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, Fat Four, what do you think about that? Uh, well, so I got a couple things here. If you don't mind me nerding out on you for a second, <laughs> go on, go <laughs> but, on, go uh, on. I want so I Feels wanted yours. to go back really quickly to what you were saying with the Zaniac, and I think it relates yeah. to uh, Jeremiah. What you're talking about with uh, Brox in Oklahoma. So coming from the comic side of it especially from like the thor uh, mythos of it like you were saying uh the zaniac is from a mar or from a thor book but all the tva is as well the tva was actually mm-hmm. uh their first appearance was a couple issues after that zaniac issue we're just talking about oh, okay. and then relating it back to the broxton oklahoma uh, that is actually a very important place in the Thor comic book world. And while it's different in the MCU, in the comics, that's where Thor creates new Asgard. So while in the MCU, we have the new Asgard in uh, Tornsburg, Norway, in the comics, that's in Oklahoma. So to me, what I I mean, this is just my own opinion on it, but I feel like the reason why they chose Oklahoma specifically and the reason why they chose mm-hmm. Zaniac specifically, to me, I feel like it's just very subtle nods and kind of pushing us mm-hmm. in the direction of we're going to eventually get that Thor and Loki reunion that... Uh, I want to say it was one of the producers, Eric Wright. He just came out recently saying how that reunion of them is like kind of one of the goals of this of the series. Not necessarily this right. season, but like the series as a whole. <laughs> so to me, I feel like they're purposely kind of using these Thor kind of little Easter eggs and nods to subtly remind us like, hey, remember uh, Loki's Thor's brother? And I feel like mm. we're going to be getting a lot more kind of as guardian and or north mythology kind of nods to remind us of that so that's what i would just say about like sylvie being in oklahoma and stuff like that but as far as the structure of the show goes i i really i'm enjoying it but i will say i think episode one was better at least in my opinion right i think that episode two was very much plot driven and it's like in my Mm -hmm. opinion it just seemed like episode one was kind of like an information dump it's like okay Mm -hmm. here's the temporal loom uh here's time slipping here's all this information and then it's like okay Mm -hmm. now that you know all of that now let's get the story moving and then that's why this episode deals with you know finding sylvie and interrogating brad it's a lot more kind of getting the plot moving which i'm not mad Mm -hmm. at i love that it's what's needed to go forward but like i said i just from being a fan i don't know i would say like i said episode one i kind of enjoyed a little better just for the action of it the kind of like high stakes okay cool cool no so I think, so first of all, the first point you made about like, you know, sort of bringing back, you know, the idea that Loki is Thor's brother is important because, you know, thinking back to season one, like we got Frog 4, for example, Mm -hmm. that was like a little nice shout out of like, you know, that's still there. And, you know, even in this episode, we talk about their mother, you know, um, 
Oh, that was... It was gut-wrenching, yeah. But like, mm. there's a lot of like references to Loki's history, um, which we should probably get into because, you know, again, sort of what the plot, how the plot goes. They are, they capture Brad. They need to sort of find information about him to know what Docs is up to. Again, seeing Docs, um, I think she's played by Kate, Kate Dickey. Mm-hmm. I, know, I just always think of her from Game of Thrones. I would say shout out Liza Aaron, dude. Exactly. Like yeah. I just always think Liza Aaron. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's so weird seeing her with like armor and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> you should be by the big hole waiting for Littlefinger or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're trying to figure out what they're doing. And, you know, X5 is kind of like our biggest lead, you know, and that brings us to right, we've got to interrogate him. And we have the first interrogation where I think, I'm going to forget his name again, but Rafael Casal, I think he just blows it. He just, you know, hits it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, with his interactions with Mobius, his interactions with Loki, I think it was just a really, really nice sequence. And, you know, it's the kind of thing, like if he was putting together his acting reel, like to to get another role, I think this has to be on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um what do you guys think, Fafo? What do you think about that whole interrogation sequence and everything? I mean, like you, I exactly what you just said. I loved it. I thought it was really great. It really uh, X five uh, Rafael Casal. He was really great in that scene, and I loved how he was like probing Loki. Because one thing I feel like some people forget is. This is not the Loki that went through his kind of hero journey within, mm-hmm. you know, Thor Ragnarok and uh, Infinity War, which don't get me wrong. Yeah. He went through an amazing uh, character arc in the first season, but he's still mm-hmm. very fresh from being the dude who took over New York. Right. So, yeah, I really one I liked the acknowledgement of that when him and Mobius are kind of having that discussion. But I thought it was very interesting seeing Brett kind of probe Loki like that and seeing how he responded mm-hmm. to that. I thought that was super interesting. And I I mean, he was really going in on him. I, the, you mentioned it before, but he brought up his mom. I was like, oh, shit. Like, we're talking about moms yeah. now. I was like, he's going to yeah, like, yeah. shit's about to get real. But what really surprised <laughs> me, I think, of that whole interaction was it wasn't Loki that lost it it was mobius mm-hmm. and like mobius is a cool cucumber my man like he's usually chill yeah. so the fact that brad was able to really get under mobius's skin i thought was the coolest part of that whole scene and really kind of gave us a little bit more depth uh to mobius like mm-hmm. he's not just the comic relief character yeah. which while he is he's hilarious i love mobius but like i said it, there's more to his character than that and i thought that was a great example of that no yeah definitely um jeremiah i'm gonna go to you to talk about that scene but one thing i want to also kind of put on is that do you think the whole thing escalated because brad was kind of right like does loki make things worse 100 percent. that's why it was so good is because like he was getting in on him but nothing that he said was necessarily not true like he like he says you're the villain like that's what you're good at you always are the villain and 
whether you're talking of MCU Loki or even comic the comic book counterpart of Loki, that is yeah. one of his major flaws is like even when he does do good. I mean, the God of mischief, you know, it's in the name. There's always some kind of mischievous means behind it. So, like you said, that's what I thought made it what I why I said it was interesting to see how Loki reacted to that, because, like I said, it's not like he's just talking shit. He, like I said, had very valid points. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I think it was just it was just great to watch. And Jeremiah, I was going to ask you that. Do you think like that kind of scene? Do you feel so? I think it kind of grounds Loki to some extent, Um, you know, because I think on the surface of it, right, he's pretty much very insecure. And this guy's sort of preying on it. Do you feel like, you know, these kind of scenes are, what do you think about like, you know, having these kind of scenes with essentially a God, you know, is it, is, are they really, really trying to, you know, keep, obviously keep us rooting for Loki? Is this whole still part of his redemption or are they teasing that, you know, or I don't know, maybe is he going to slide back? You know, what, 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 what do you think is going on? I don't know necessarily about slide back, but I think like if you take Loki as a person, God or not, um, even if he completely changes, the fact is he did some things. He's capable of doing certain things. And I mean, later on in the episode, we do see that he's able to channel that side of himself, even if the intention behind it is not necessarily mischievous. Well, it is still mischievous at, at the end of the day, but it's not like with evil intent or malicious intent, let's put it that way. Um, I think scenes like that are, are interesting because, like you said, it grounds Loki. I think it grounds Mobius as well. Like, well, I don't know if grounds is the word I'm using for the point I'm about to make, but it kind of puts into perspective the mental states of all the characters that we're watching at the moment because you will see Loki as someone who is, for all intents and purposes, you could say he's now making that journey towards being a good person some people might argue he already is a good person but at the end of the day some people could argue that he's actually still just doing what loki does which is survive because right now he knows that there's this whole multiversal war coming on and that's why he's trying to get on top of things it's not necessarily out of altruism for the universe or for the multiverse but to some other people it's like no loki is the guy now trying to take care of the multiverse and in that scene it's like it's kind of like a litmus test for brad but also for the viewer to see where loki is on that journey so loki is able to like for one he doesn't lose his shit right mm -hmm. but at the same time he's still able to say you know what actually yes you're right i can admit and that's a big thing for anyone it's um having that accountability when you realize you've been a terrible person in certain ways being able to actually recognize that that is true because sometimes people have this thing where they're like okay but i'm a good person now and maybe they think that somehow blots out the things they've done in the past. The next step of growth is usually accepting that you did the things you did and then mm -hmm. trying to make amends if if that's what you're going to want to do. And in this case, Loki is able to accept that and not let it get to him while at the same time still able to use the fact that Brad is expecting him to still be that person against Brad, if that makes sense. And then from the mm -hmm. Mobius side of things, another reason I love, well, I'm kind of going into the next scene where Mobius yeah, kind of explains yeah, his yeah, outbreak. Yeah. But I loved the idea that the whole realization that all the TVA agents are variants is not just some glass breaking moment where they're like oh shit they lied to us and they just continue like uh -huh. they are internally conflicted 
And when you said this adds depth to Mobius, I think it absolutely does. And it adds to every single agent at the TVA as well, coming to that realization that, okay, I did have a life on the timeline somewhere. And mm-hmm. we saw that again at the end of the episode as well, like when things actually happened and you can see how everyone's reacting to the gravity of what's just happened, which is very different to how the TVA used to treat things in the past. Like entire universes and that's not just planet earth or planet elementus or the entire universes are constantly wiped out Mm -hmm. because of their jobs Mm -hmm. and they are probably from a universe that has also been wiped out because they are variants that come to terms with that and also even seeing brad like brad actually questions him because when you see brad in episode one oh, that's episode one in episode two at the start of this episode you're thinking he's really seeming to revel in his current life mm-hmm. would other tva agents do the same um would mobius do the same and then mobius kind of gives you that answer where he's even scared that what if he likes it like it's just interesting to know what characters would be going through in that kind of state like when you realize something so existential like that it can break you and sometimes the best thing you can actually do is just keep going forward in what you already know before you can actually have time to process it and it's it's good to see that that's something that the TVA agents are already going through. Because the only characters we've seen go through it before now, actually the only character was B-15. But now mm-hmm. through Brad and Mobius, we know that every single one of them is going through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, like, that's some really, really strong stuff. You know, especially when you mention like, you know, the kind of mental state everyone is in. It's like the whole kind of theme of this show for me has all been around, is the future written or is it not? You know, I feel like the TVA was happy doing despicable things because it's like, it's written, it has to happen like this. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. But I think when you drop free will on people, you know, you get so much variety, you know, like, like I said, like, you know, for lack of a better term, like X5 came off as a prick in episode one. (laughs) But, you know, in episode two, we see that he's pretty happy being, um, a Hollywood, I don't know, superstar. I don't know. They didn't make it clear, <laughs> but <laughs> at least people wanted his autograph. Yeah. Um. So you get you get to see that, and it's like free will. Um. Free will can just be. It doesn't have to be like you know. Forget about the establishment. Like you know, Mobius kind of wants to use his free will almost to stay mm-hmm. and like kind of keep a hold of what things used to be. And it's it's just fascinating and very textured. And coming back to when we talked about Sylvie as well, of like, maybe that's why she just went to Oklahoma. And it's just like, you know, for once, I'm not running away from TVA agents trying to prune me since they've been trying to do since I was like five because I ended up being, I don't know, born female rather than male or whatever a crime actually was. Um, and it's like, you know, this is a chance to actually just experience life, you know, kind of. It's interesting because, you know, you mentioned the parallels to Thor, kind of like in the first Thor movie when, you know, obviously he's banished from Asgard, but he just kind of gets to live out life for a little bit. So it's quite interesting seeing like how all these characters are dealing with this stuff. And it's, yeah, no, it's it, it, it's fascinating. And I really like how the show is written um, to give you those kind of textured discussions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Moving on from that. All so right. that was the first interrogation. Can I say something real quick? I just, I had, yeah, a, yeah, I had a thought I wanted to uh, run off of what you guys just said. Cause both, go on, dude. both, uh, both amazing points. I agree with both of you a hundred percent. And I think to your point, I think uh, a lot of this season does deal with that kind of 
ethical question of, like you said, free will and what is better. Uh, I think, you know, in Sylvie's position, the way she's coming at it is, like I said, is it better to have free will and be able to make your own choices, even if those choices are bad? Like those choice, it doesn't have to be all good choices. Those choices could be bad, but yeah. I think it's the it's the fact that you are able to make that choice. And for he who remains, or you know, other people in the TVA, it's well, we could live maybe a more comfortable life, but everything is controlled. And everything is uh-huh. already pre-planned. So I think it's more of just kind of a basic ethical question. I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer. It's just, it's all about your perspective. And I think it all comes uh-huh. back around to what Jeremiah was saying about, you know, Mobius and how we're seeing the other TVA agents and how they're reacting to this. I would say, I think another big theme of this series is consequences, especially this season. Uh-huh. And we're seeing all of our characters dealing with the consequences from season one and like how they respond to that so for mobius it's to completely avoid it like he's like i like my life i don't like i all this stuff is too big for me so i'm just gonna stick to what i know but then we have characters like b15 who are actively pursuing that and are actively like for her she's trying to come at it from like a structural standpoint and change the tva itself but for brad wolf he wants to just live his life on the timeline and like that's how he's dealing with the consequence of learning what the tva is and i think that we could even apply that to general docs as well she her way of dealing with finding out the tva is not what it is is similar to mobius she wants to avoid it and it's like I think she says in uh, the first episode, while the timekeepers might not be real, their message was real. So for her, it doesn't matter that it's a lie. It doesn't matter that the timekeepers maybe weren't real. What they're supposed to do in her mind is still the right thing. So I guess I just wanted to I thought you guys had really great points. I just wanted to add add that onto it. No, honestly, like, yeah, it's such a like it's something you can talk about for ages, you know, Mm -hmm. because. Um, you can almost even kind of relate it to the sort of military aspect, right? Of like, they were very happy just following orders, mm-hmm. right? But now they've got agency to say, hang on a minute, we're actually killing people, you know? Yeah. Um, which is a very, very textured thing to get into. But, you know, that's the thing. When comic book, you know, comic books are good, comic book media is good, it touches on this stuff like at the end of the day almost all the time it's like a metaphor for this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um so it's great that you know it's almost i guess what's the old adage you know um having steak in your vegetables like you have all the great action and fancy powers <laughs> and stuff but underneath there's a lot of like really good messages and mm-hmm. stuff to to take forward so they eventually do the second interrogation with mr wolf um, what did we think about that? Loved it. Uh, again, throwing back to like, another throwback to Loki's character, how uh-huh. far he's come, but also how not long ago that was. Um, we see Loki taking some pleasure in the game he's got. He, the game is about to play with Brad. Um, and I'll say they almost had me going on the Mobius part of it, like. We all knew deep down that Mobius was in on it, but it's like how they they got Brad. So it's uh-huh. like how committed would they be? Like 
I wonder if there are actually people watching this who thought, hmm, what if Mobius actually didn't know this part of the plan? <laughs> um, I don't think so, but who knows? Uh, I think I love that scene just because, again, it was an opportunity for Tom Hiddleston to just have fun with and yeah. him and Brad. They were just like, they were going off, um, Raphael, they were just going off each other. The back and forth was beautiful to see. And then you like, He's bringing this whole idea. Okay, okay. Um, I said some mean things. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. I brought up your mom. <laughs> no hard feelings, dude. <laughs> right. Um, but all of that, and then uh, Loki himself too is all like, yeah, like I have done some terrible things. He's like really embracing that in a very mysterious way, just not malicious this time. And again, another opportunity for us. We had fun watching this. We can laugh about certain things, but it still allowed us to move the plot forward. And mm-hmm. we start to know he actually does know where. Because at this point, I'm like, why are you guys so sure he knows where Sylvia is? <laughs> but he actually does know where Sylvia is, um, which also still brings uh, more questions as well for Brad. Like, was he comfortable just, was he actually stalling? Or did he actually abandon Dox's plan? Things like that. Like, But in that scene, in that moment, I was just enjoying watching Loki get down to business. Because like you were saying, that's what that's probably what people wanted to see more of in yeah. season one, where it was Loki kind of figuring out stuff. Now it's Loki doing stuff. No, absolutely. Yeah, I think, like you said, um, I need to shout out the director of this episode. I think it's Dan DeLue. Um, and... What you said captured the perfection, I think, of the directing there because it's like the beauty of that scene is that it went on long enough for you to actually, or at least I think, for you to kind of ask yourself the question, like, has Loki actually just gone rogue? You know, there's, if if that wasn't well directed, you just kind of tick a box, ah, yeah, it was just a plan and, you know, but it was set up in such a way that you actually asked yourself that question. It might just be 1% of doubt, but, you know, that just kind of, you know, makes the experience a lot better anyway. Um, so definitely shout out to Dan for that. Um, also, shout out to the visual effects team as well. Like him getting squashed in there. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It made me claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, was just, it was just like, I, don't, I do not want to be in that. Like, I'll definitely spill the beans on whatever <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, Jeremiah brought a point up there, right? So we get to find out that Brad found sylvie but he just went off to be brad wolf the star we've been talking a lot about like people's mental places and you know dealing with free will and stuff what do you think happened there you know i think there's clearly some things happened there that maybe i don't know maybe he's seen her working at mcdonald's and was like i can give this a try you know Mm. what what do you think's happened there for uh i think you just said it exactly i think that uh well mobius in the in this episode he says uh the what like uh what jeremiah was saying how they figure out that he knows where she is uh mobius says like x x5 is a really good hunter like he's really good at his job so there's no way like if he went looking for sylvie he found her so that's like why they went on that assumption so i like i said uh, exactly what you said i think that he found her he saw that she was working at McDonald's and like she was living her life. And he was like, well, why can't I do that? And it's like, again, we're seeing how everyone is responding to the I, I forget Mobius said it uh, best, 
but he says something along the lines of, imagine you just found out that all your gods are fake and like your entire existence is fake. And I think, again, we're seeing how everyone responds to that. And for X5 slash Brad Wolf, he sees, again, Sylvie just doing mundane things like working at McDonald's. I mean, maybe he saw her, you know, rocking out in the car with to the stereo or something. I don't know. But he's like, yeah, why can't I do this? Like, why the hell not? So he, again, his way of dealing with that is I'm going to go find my life. And I think he even says that in this episode to Mobius. He's like, go find your life. Like, you know, I got mine. You go get yours. So it's like, I can't really blame him for that. And I think that that's a very valid response given what you just learned about your life. You know, I mean, I think even Mobius says it in this episode when he's like, uh, uh, he's talking to Loki and Loki's like, yeah, he just wants to go be Brad Wolf. And he's like, well, who wouldn't? It's like, yeah, like, do I want to be this freaking time hunter agent or do I want to go and be a freaking movie star? Like, I think that's pretty easy. (laughs) Easy. uh, What's it called? Decision. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, think about it when you figure out that the whole thing is like is done. Like, what does what the T what does the TVA pay? You know, yeah. what, what what's the pension look mm-hmm. like? like yeah, you know, exactly. You start, you start asking yeah. all these questions. Like, <laughs> and Brad even because, basically says that in his interrogation, he's like, this is fake. This is all not real. Like he's done with it. He's like, dude, I am out of here. This is not real anyway. So fuck it. Yeah. And I think also a subtle thing in the episode is, He's probably been living that life as Brad Wolf for ages. True. And obviously the episode's way of showing that, showing us that is that his hair just grows like a two feet in between two episodes pretty <laughs> much. So it's like, <laughs> definitely he's been, he's been out there for a while. Um, so no, so I think that's what happened. I think he's, you know, kind of almost been inspired by Sylvie to, mm-hmm. go, to go and try and check out his life. And again, it's, 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 you know, how do these characters react to what's going on? And I think, yeah, it's really, really, you know, powerful stuff. So we get... I do... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. It's just one point. I don't know if I was going to bring this up later on, because one, one thing one thing I did have down on a note, and I guess now is a good time to segue to yeah, part of it, was the idea that this season is still... It's still doing some world or multiverse building for us. Mm-hmm. So like it like you said, there was a lot of information dumped in the last one. But even in this episode, we're getting a lot of I guess elements of the nature of the TVA that yeah. aren't yet explained, but we're seeing them and it's enough to ask questions. Cause for example, Brad is a variant. Presumably that means at some point in his life he did something that he was not supposed to do. And instead of being pruned, he was taken to the TVA and he used his abilities. He became a TVA agent. But now he returns to his life. And unlike when we saw Renslayer on the Sacred Timeline, where it was a past version of her, we're seeing a present version or at least a present consciousness of Brad. So I'm like wondering what the physics is. So I I think the, the one little tweak there is that we aren't seen him go back to his life. He's just yeah. gone in there and just decided on a specific, like he might not even have been born when he was, mm-hmm. he, where he was Brad Wolf. He's just gone somewhere and it's like, right, I'm going to just settle down here. Yeah. Like he could have been born in the nineties or whatever. Yeah. Later but on. whatever that means is, so Brad, so if, if let's, let's assume that's the case. Yeah. So Brad's done something, but that whatever he's done has not changed the sacred timeline does that mean that all of this was supposed to happen? Because 
one thing that we experienced in season one is being told that time works differently in the TVA. And some mm-hmm. people understood that to mean that the TVA exists somewhere outside of the timeline. But from episode one, we can yeah. see Loki slipping through time within the TVA, which to yeah, me which shows implies that's a lie, that the yeah. TVA itself is part of the timeline as well. So it's like, does that mean that Brad acting the way he currently is and going back to 1977 and becoming Brad Wolf, presumably becoming Zaniac eventually, is all as things are supposed to be on the sacred timeline. That's another question that I have for the show as well that we so, probably won't explore until like four or yeah. five or something. I don't- so it comes back to the thing, right? Was it written? You know, like if it wasn't written, anything can happen and things change as we go along, right? And we need to remember that the sacred timeline, there's nothing like that. He's just literally just picked one timeline and I like this best. That's literally what's happened. Like, it's not really yeah, superior to Yeah, but when they went to that one. episode, they said, yeah, of course. But like, when it, when we went, to the, the sacred timeline to them is their prime timeline that he, he yeah, yeah. remains, you know, the branch that everything is branching off from. But that that timeline hasn't changed or has it? Like, they got a hit on a tempad, not a diversion, because obviously that's not the way, don't, that's not what, they're not looking for a branch anymore. They got a hit on his tempad and they thought maybe Sylvie might be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went and they found him making changes presumably or existing in the consciousness of his old body if that's what they want to do i, I have no idea what it's going to yeah. be like but it's just one of those things where it's like there's a lot of questions that are being that are being uh, like you should be asking they're being shown to you like mm-hmm. when Ouroboros says time slipping is not po- it's not possible on the tva they never actually explain why it's happening they just solve it mm-hmm. but i imagine at some point during the season we will still be exploring these kinds of things that's just kind of what i wanted to bring up with this no, before i think move on i think, I think that makes sense yeah fat Ford, you got anything to add on that well, how much time you guys got? <laughs> <laughs> so, I so I'm, I could go on for a long time about this. I've th- I've been thinking about this for a while for a while. But Jeremiah, I think I might have an answer for you. Okay, so let's go. Come down the rabbit hole with me, fellas. Let's let's try and we, go. Do we through need the this. whiteboard? Yeah, I say, give me my sticky notes. Where's the whiteboard? <laughs> but okay, right. so we're talking about sacred timeline, right? And to what you're saying about Brad Wolf, I think that Emmanuel is on the money where he says that he just picked a timeline and just, you know, decided to create a life there. I don't think it was like he found his specific life. But what you're saying is 100% true. Like uh, X5 is a variant, just like how all the other TVA agents are. So at one point, he did something to branch off of the sacred timeline. Right? You follow me? Yep. So... Here's where it all comes together, in my mind at least, is we know from episode one that the TVA has had their mind wiped multiple times. Yep. So, like with Mobius, uh, Loki sees Mobius in the past, but he doesn't remember that. And not only that, but in the past, we see that there's Kang statues all over the place. But then in current TVA, no one knows who He Who Remains is. They think it's the Timekeepers. So we know that their minds have been wiped. So X5, the original Brad Wolf that, you know, made the decision to make himself a variant, he does not remember that. To him, he's just always been a TVA agent and to bring it all together with the time slipping and like we're like you were talking about how the TVA sits outside of time so I think that is true still TVA does sit outside of time and is not in the sacred timeline but 
by it being outside of time, it exists everywhere in time. Does that make it? Does that make sense? Right. So going off of that, what we're talking about, this all comes together. And the reason why this is possible is because of the temporal loom of what we're introduced to in the first episode. So the Uh whole TVA is powered by the temporal loom. Now that the temporal loom is trying to get all of these branches weaved into the sacred timeline, it's overloading, which is causing the TVA power outages. So where I'm coming from and what I'm saying is that since the time loom is being overloaded, basically time itself is starting to infiltrate the TVA, which is why there is now a past TVA and there's a future TVA where before there was no past or future. It just was the TVA. Right. So now that everything is the temporal loom is being overloaded, all of that time that should be kept away is coming in, which is making Loki time slip back and forth. And that also is why he's able to affect things in the future, like the crack on the floor or the Uh when Mobius writes skin on the thing. Based off what we know in Endgame, that shouldn't be possible because if you change something in the past, that creates a branch. But now everything is a branch. There's branches everywhere. So time is just, like I said, it's not working as it should. So that's why I don't think it necessarily retcons anything for the rules that we've established. It's just that now the rules are out the fucking window. (laughs) Like when Uh Sylvie killed He Who Remains and that sacred timeline exploded, that caused the TVA's position outside of time to be compromised. I know that was a lot. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Does no, that make no, sense? no, I followed you. No, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm I, I following got you. you and I agree. Like, I, I don't think, think I was sense. even thinking of it as like, oh, this is a plot hole or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm confident that there would be an explanation. It was just, for me, it was just more something that was intriguing because I'm thinking there's no way this guy went and found, like, if he's a variant and there's another version of him on the sacred timeline, there's no way he just went and is like, right, he you're going to be and like, t- time jail. <laughs> <laughs> or did that kill him? Like, they're not going to do that, right? Uh, I just I just wanted to know like what could be but that's a possible explanation that could work um but I, I feel like in a sense I'm more of the I'm more of the idea that the TVA has always experienced time in some version not the same uh-huh. way we do when we're on the timeline because mm-hmm. for it to exist like you said it does have to exist somehow outside of the timeline i.e those realities that we that are affected by the temporal loom mm-hmm. but it also is powered by the temporal loom so in some way shape or form there has always been an existence of the TVA mm-hmm. um but I'm not sure that, like, for example, he who remains creating the TVA and then, like, the stuff in the past existing is necessarily a sign that, um, like, I, I feel like all those things did exist even at the time of season one. Like, the mural, the, the, the statues behind the mural were always there. They were hidden, which means those things did happen. Mm. Um, when the TVA agents talk, they talk about, you know, how many centuries have passed, things like that. They say hundreds of years. So, like, they still have an experience of time passing. They still have an experience of using tempads to, like, go forward and backwards. But it's not quite the same experience as, you know, being bound within the... 3d universe being mm-hmm. bound by other forces other than time that would cause you to age and things like that i think 
that's something but i just wanted to, I, it's just an answer that i wanted <laughs> in this episode is like but okay well, what did you do to your prime yeah, version it's complicated <laughs> stuff dude it's complicated like you said you said bring out the whiteboard all jokes aside dude i literally <laughs> i was sitting here with no cards i'm like looking up like time travel theory like it's it's complicating <laughs> stuff here like <laughs> So, so that's it you know marvel marvel's getting us into quantum physics literally um, pretty much and i love that and i'll say too just before we get off this topic uh for anyone out there who maybe wants some more information about this uh i'll uh, urge you to go google and look up uh what's called the heart of forever so that is going to be something from the comics that uh kang uses in his uh city chronopolis which Oh, yeah. works basically exactly the same as the temporal loom and it seems like that's like the mcu version of it to kind of swap in yeah. exactly so again if anyone out there is curious for kind of more in depth of the, all that stuff i'd say like i said look up the heart of forever it's nice nice we're here giving you the comic book recommendations as well <laughs> so tune in for everything like i said i could go on for hours about this stuff so like, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you all do your own research <laughs> no honestly bank banky should have known he let me loose on a podcast about time travel like <laughs> why would you give me that much power <laughs> no one man should have all that power right um cool so we basically get to one what i think is one of the key things like we obviously it's only been two episodes but it's like it's kind of been the elephant in the room right sylvia and loki meeting each other again and we get obviously mobius's commentary to make it funny <laughs> but you know they're meeting again the last time they saw each other they literally kissed fought sylvia killed someone kicks loki <laughs> out it was a hell of a first date I guess explosive for sure. And now they're getting to see each other after. So what do we, oh, what, what oh. do we think about, you know, them meeting each other again, the whole conversation, the energy, I want to, I want to hear it all. Um, <laughs> fat four, you go first on this one. All right. Well, I, again, really enjoyed it. No surprise there, but, uh, I thought it was really cool. And I love, I just love seeing Loki and Sylvie interact with each other because I think the, and this is a credit to the writing of the show is I really love how, I mean, Mobius points this out. It's like fighting with yourself and like the whole, I know some people have kind of weird feelings about like them being together, like from the first season, mm -hmm. but I really love that because again, it kind of goes back to that central theme of loving yourself and accepting yourself. And I love, like I said, when they get to interact, seeing the both similarities and differences between them, I think is what makes their interactions super compelling. And in this instance in particular, what I thought was really cool is, again, going back to the theme of consequences and seeing how everyone reacts to those consequences. For Loki, he's like freaking out. Like we see him in the first episode, he's freaking out. He's freaking out here. Like he does not know if the decision that they made in season one to kill He Who Remains was the right decision. And he is really struggling with that and he's trying to figure out what to do about that but for sylvie she's completely content with the decision that she made she a hundred percent believes that what she did was the right thing and now she is a hundred percent okay with living with those consequences and she even says when loki's like well what happens when he who remains comes back when one of the variants comes back she's like i'll kill him 
okay, done. Like she is just a hundred percent content doing, like I said, with what she did and what, whether that's right or wrong, I don't really know. I, again, I think that's kind of the way you look at it, but I just thought it was really interesting again, to see their different perspectives on what happened in season one. No, yeah, no, like it was such a loaded thing for them to be back together, mm-hmm. honestly. And yeah, you know, Jeremiah, what do you think about it? You know, you give us your thoughts. I, no, I think you were spot on with that. That's what I was seeing as well. Because even when you earlier in the episode, when you mentioned consequences, that was the first scene that popped up to my mind. It was, yeah, because one thing was. For, especially for someone who recently rewatched season one, I think the day, the, the two days before episode one drops, I rewatched season one. Ooh, good I job. Think I, I think I may have underestimated just how betrayed Sylvie felt in the finale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I knew that they were not on the same side of the decision, it's kind of easy maybe because of how time has passed to kind of... yeah follow the characters in what they're doing now Uh completely forgetting just how big it was for them to fight over something so existential Mm. and how recent as well exactly it's very recent like because loki comes back he's time slipping as soon as he solves that they need to find sylvie because they know general docs is planning something all of this is happening very quickly um so you're thinking which again is like how how like i guess how recently or how quickly everything for the entire series has unfolded again because, mm-hmm. you know, Loki hadn't really been in the TVA for very long when he went off with Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went through that whole adventure in different places and eventually Lamentis. But like all of this is a lot of emotions all at once, which is why I think Loki is probably still more in the survival mode than a fool and now a hero type of thing. Um, but there, right there, we're seeing that, yeah, Sylvie is still very upset and she has a right to be and Loki is still very scared of what that reaction will be because he knows how she would feel about being betrayed because he knows how he feels about being betrayed but he also feels like he was right in doubting but there's nothing he can do about it now he's like okay but something must have gone wrong because I saw a version of you in the future and you look desperate so I need to know what's going on. It's, for, yeah, for me, it was just that those consequences. It was like, wow, yes, like sparks are flying. Like we see we see the death we get with Mobius in the inter- interrogation scene, like we're talking about. And then we see some more as well. Like it adds a little bit more to the fight that they were having. It wasn't just a visually, it wasn't just like a visually appealing fight for, or we have to have a fight of some sort in the finale. There was a lot going on for these two characters. And this kind of just emphasizes that. <laughs> yeah, no, like you guys hit the nail on the head. I think it was just, I think first of all, like, you know, people that say, you know, why they're together and things like that. Um, when I think about it, it's like, since we've known Loki, he's been very insecure and he's always kind of thinking, I need to double cross someone before they double cross me or whatever. So for someone like that, you know, he's also always struggled for approval, be it from Odin, be it from Thor, be it from Thanos. He's always wanted that. And there is, of course, it's not, you know, if you're telling this as an inspirational thing, it's like, you know, he gave himself, he had found self-love within himself. But, you know, obviously with a sort of comic book magic dust on it, (laughs) he did find self-love in himself, but also in another person. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's quite beautiful in that aspect of them as a couple. I think it kind of completes Loki's kind of arc in a way of like, yes, he only trusts himself, but he also kind of finally loves himself. And then also like in terms of the betrayal, like again, you think about it, like um, Sylvie spent, you know, ages. We, we get a mention of it here. Like she killed 400 TVA agents, but she spent ages running away from them, having to figure out she has to hide in sort of like uh, disaster zones mm. and stuff in time to escape them. All these things to find someone she kind of loves and, and trusts only for them to then turn around and say, hang on, this thing that you hate that's made your whole life a living hell, they're, they might actually be the good guys and I'm going to stick with them. Like, it you know it brings your whole world kind of crashing down mm-hmm. um so i think that's i think those two things are quite uh probably the only two things i'll add in terms of like i think it really makes sense why they're kind of compelling as a couple but also like that betrayal is pretty heavy and you know it's a feeling that she obviously has to work um work through um so what else did we have in the episode we had the action scene to stop docs and her rogue hunters i think this was the weakest thing in the episode oh <laughs> no, no no because that was very legend of tomorrow <laughs> just no, because like honestly i love like you know anyone who's probably listened to me on this before i you know when we talked about like falcon and the world to soldier and things like that i really really love my action scenes and my fight choreography and stuff like that but with this, like we built up, you know, they took so many weapons and we're going to stop them. And we've got Mobius, Sylvie and Loki. And it's like, you distraction. Honestly, I think it was over in like two minutes. And it was just <laughs> like, I was like, is that it? Is there some <laughs> other plan that I'm missing? You know, what is going on? Um, but it just felt like, right, we're running out of time here. I'll wrap this up quickly. Um, and, you know, um, and let's just kind of put a bow on it, which is kind of part of, what I'm saying, where it feels like every episode we're completing a mini mission. So here it's like, you know, let's get rid of docs and take that out. I will say, you know, yes, they kind of pruned tons of timelines and stuff, which in a clever way, when you think about it, obviously now kind of buys them time with the temporal loom because the problem was too many timelines. And that was why I think OB mentioned there was only like five minutes. So probably now they've bought probably bought them enough time for the end of the season, you know, um, breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Um, but Bottom four more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, what did you guys think about that whole wrap up? Am I, am I being too harsh? What do you guys think? I think your criticism is actually very valid. Like while I, I really enjoyed it. I think that you, like I said, I think you make really good points. It definitely was rushed a little bit. And I mean, I don't know, again, that could just be my criticism because I'll take 20 minutes of them fighting. You know what I mean? Like give me exactly. all of it. So exactly. <laughs> maybe it's just like, I just want more, but no, I really liked it. I thought it was, I, I thought the choreography was really creative. Like how you have like mm-hmm. Loki blasting people through time doors and like using like the True. TVA technology in, uh, with Loki and Sylvie's magic, I thought was awesome. And I, again, just, I mean, any chance to see Loki or Sylvie use some magic, I am a hundred percent there yeah. for. I, I, that's the one thing that sucks about being in the TVA is they can't use magic, but 
the other thing that I'll just throw out there just very quickly, uh, I think it also goes back to what we were just talking about with Loki and Sylvie and kind of the similarities and differences between them. Because if you notice, uh, Loki goes hand to hand and uses the magic. I think he might grab one of the uh, I forget what they call them, the little like zap sticks, you know. But yeah, the pruning. Yeah, stick, pruning stick. But Sylvie's strapped up with that sword, like she's ready <laughs> to go. She's ready for blood. So I thought it was interesting to see again that I thought that just kind of showed the differences between them, and kind of like that's how old Loki would go about it, right? Like with his knives and whatnot. Yep. But we've been talking about his kind of character progression and all that stuff. I think that's a good example of that because, like I said, where Loki is going hand to hand and more like uh disabling or you know putting putting them out you know sylvie is not afraid to use that sword for blood like she is ready to take them out permanently which i thought was really cool Uh, yeah i mean like you said it might just be that i wanted a bit more but it just (laughs) almost kind of felt like the action was secondary uh jeremiah what do you think I think actually I'm going to pick up on that last line you said, like it felt like the action was secondary because I think it was, and I think it was supposed to be. Um, I I think we come, we, we essentially just land on where Docs is mm-hmm. and Docs is like, right, just prune as many as you can. Like they've caught us. There's nothing we can <laughs> do. Like, do it all. Do it all. <laughs> <Just> do <as many. laughs> right. But I, that's why I'm questioning. Like, is that it? with dogs like is that where it ends mm. like is there is there a specific reason that they wanted to just bomb as many timelines as because that wouldn't stop that wouldn't actually stop more timelines and it's just gonna keep like is she just gonna keep i, I think that the was the idea i think she more i think she wanted more. to keep keep the legacy of the time keepers and stuff yeah but um, for how, how sustainable would that have been because like literally yeah. at every second everywhere and you like 10 million new branches could be formed yeah. for example like it's not sustainable like there has to be or I, maybe there isn't maybe i'm overthinking this but in my uh-huh. head i was thinking there has to be something more here and it makes sense that we're not going to spend plenty of time fighting here because we're not ready to explore that yet because again a lot of a lot of this season is giving us those small bits to bring characters to where they need to be but ultimately the overall story is still kind of building in the background like we still don't know where Renslayer went, but now we mm-hmm. know that there's a hit on a ten pad. Yeah, you did mention something about. Um, th- this was you, Thor. Actually, mentioned something about uh, buying more time, and I agree with that because throughout this whole bomb the thing, I was thinking, if Uroboros knew that this was Doctor's plan, where would he stand? Because mm. he's very stressed <laughs> about the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, hmm. he we we get the vibe that he's a nice guy, and he probably thinks, and you probably think he'll probably want to like because like his his solution is not like right. Um, this is overloading the time loom, so we need to start pruning branches. Like, okay, so we're not pruning branches. Cool. So we need to fix the ta- the, the the temporal loom. So he's trying to do that, but I'm pretty sure he would low key appreciate the time that he's just being bought because right now they do need to find Miss Minutes or Renslayer and some version of he who remains because they need to know how they can actually open up those blast yeah. doors again and actually they fix need the his temporal, uh, temporal aura to do it aura yeah. yeah which is another concept again that we've been introduced to mm-hmm. um i think in some sense you might think it's very self-explanatory but at the same time there might be more to it like it might be more useful than we think knowing mm-hmm. that concept mm-hmm. 
and it's just it's just all those things like you they're forcing me to be patient and also not theorize too much like we did with wonder vision a few years back. oh god Mephisto, Mephisto, dude <laughs> that's that's Ouroboros Orobor, no. is Mephisto. you heard it here hurt first folks <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, Ralph Boner <laughs> but yeah it's it's just interesting and, and I, I can I just say I love the addition of Obi as a character just in general like he's a breath of fresh air every single time he's on the screen I will die for Ouroboros I love Obi I, I 100% agree with you I think that there's more to Obi than meets the eye but as just yeah. for me, like I said, I love him and I love his character so much. I like I cannot bring myself to imagine it's nefarious. So like you were saying, like, uh-huh. would he be for branching the timelines? Like, I think yes, because like from a technical standpoint. But I, again, I just like I can't believe that he would want that for like a bad reason. You know, like I just love him yeah. so much. <laughs> He wrote the TVA guidebook, so that's something to say. Like he's pretty much employee of the year, employee of the of of all of time, eternity. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I will say so, too. So that's one thing. So that. I will say too about Ouroboros, which I think is super super interesting, uh, and then I'll leave you guys with is. Uh, in episode one, I thought it was super. Uh, one of my co-hosts, uh, Zen, who I did an after show with, shout out Zen, uh, listen three thousand. But we were talking about this, and he brought up uh, how why is it Ob can remember stuff from the past, but no other TVA agent can? And so, like, for, so, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say with that, I was thinking about it, and it's like. Because I work in IT, right? I, it's, it's a very stupid joke, right? Uh-huh. Everyone forgets about IT. You're in the basement somewhere. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they wipe everyone's brains and they forget he's down there. No. And I think that's literally the explanation. And I, I like that. <laughs> I get that. But the one thing I would push back on that, though, is so then why couldn't, why doesn't Mobius remember his conversation with Loki? So like Loki sees Mobius and B15 in the past and he's like, you know, he who remains is coming, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, who the hell are you, right? Oh, no, like, so why wouldn't they... wiped in between. Yeah, yeah. but... Do you get what I mean? But OB's hasn't. Yeah, I think that's what Emmanuel was saying. Like, they, they would wipe oh, everyone Oh, so you're saying the they forgot to even, wipe his mind? Yeah, he comes down. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the way in the basement. They're like, oh, we, we that, forgot that department. That's even better. <laughs> I, that's even better. So <laughs> yeah. I misunderstood at first, but... Uh, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, so, yeah that's I what like I was that. thinking. <laughs> I like that a lot. He's, That's he's funny. It's like he's down there because he mentioned like Mobius is the only one who came to see him four hundred years ago. Yeah, like so no one comes down there, yeah. so he doesn't get wiped. He's perfect. Um, That's also interesting because even the crack in the thing, like I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on it until we mentioned that. Yeah, like they've been wiping their memories. Is the idea, like that crack was there. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, why? doesn't he remember that Loki did the crack and it's because yeah. of, of course his brain has been wiped after and, that and, and Casey like, says it it's like, always been there mm-hmm. it's always been there exactly so like that's all he remembers um but yeah just just to sort of wrap up so we kind of get our over overarching storyline going you know the loom you know is about to go kaput we need a temporal aura of he who remains or which basically we need a um, some, I guess his variant or something pruned because I think that's how we got Loki's temporal aura. So I, f- I imagine that kind of sets us up for the next episode as our little mini mission to find something like that. We got Renslayer coming back online. We did get the recording in episode one 
of He Who Remains and Renslayer kind of teasing they're working together. And then we're saying Miss Minutes was sending stuff to Renslayer. So it's almost like we've got our villainous Frio there. So the pieces are kind of starting to come together, but then also I feel like there might be a twist. So in general, you know, I guess, (laughs) I mean, you know, you never, never know sometimes. It could be a rough boner. Yeah. (laughs) Just take what you get sometimes. Um, So I was just going to say, just to sort of wrap up, like, you know, what are we thinking coming up? You know, what what are we looking forward to? Whose storyline are we kind of more interested in? What do we think about the plot so far? Just a few thoughts. And I guess we'll obviously revisit that as we chat more about the episodes to come. So Jeremiah, you want to go first? I think everyone, like I want to see where everyone goes from here. Like I want to know more of Mobius and how he's dealing with things. I like the parting shots of Sylvie in the world that she's accepted as her own, but with the realization that it's fragile because at any moment there could be another docs trying to bomb it all. Um, and she has a tempad, well, not her, but he who remains tempad as well. Um, now it's like she was happy to be done. She had her Thanos moment where she sat down and she's just on her farm and she's like, right, I can retire now. <laughs> And then people come back and she's like, fuck's sakes, like this is still going <laughs> on. Like these fascists are still doing yeah. stuff. I still need to be fighting. Um, so I want to see what she's doing. Cause she's obviously taking an interest in where she is. Like she's asking that little boy mundane things about his life. Like, is your mom coming to get you? It's kind of like, maybe she's afraid like, damn. So you could literally just be going about your basic day and all of a sudden you're just gone. Like Mm -hmm. that probably is a lot to her. Um, which is probably why she would definitely not just like, we're not saying goodbye to, we we all know we're not saying goodbye to Sylvie. She will probably be motivated to come back into this fight in some way. So I want to see how that happens. I want to see, um, I just I want to see Obi interact with more people in general. I just want to see Obi <laughs> interact with everyone. Um, it's fun, you know, like uh, that renaissance honestly, for Kehu Kwan is spectacular. Oscar winner Kehu yeah. Kwan now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, more of him, please. And I, and I want to see what's going on with the larger characters that we haven't yet seen on the mm-hmm. screen, like Renslayer. And uh, as much as... Uh, no need to talk about the actual actor but like we were expecting he who remains to still play a role in this season as far as we all know like he probably still appears at some point so like i want to know what that character has been up to um or what version of that character we're going to get or how that character plays into this story because yeah like essentially renslayer was sent on some kind of mission so have things already been put into like again still coming back to this idea that all of this is still part of one big thing that was supposed to happen anyway is like is that what we're going to see um is everything still deterministic even when you have free will or are we actually you know really taking a bomb of saying nope there's no more sacred timeline because honestly if there is no sacred timeline what is the job of the tva why are they still there exactly gonna be searching for purpose 
Four, <laughs> what do you think? What's what, what, what are you thinking about what's coming up? Well, I first of all, I just want to say I want to agree with everything uh, Jeremiah just said. I think those are all great points that I'm also super excited to get more into. Exactly. Uh, I'm also excited. I mean, like you said, man, Ouroboros, dude. I'm excited for more OB. I think that, like I said, there's a lot more to him than meets the eye. But also, too, something that we touched on, you know, throughout this episode, I'm excited to just learn a little bit more about the TVA and like how it all necessarily works, because we get pieces here and there. And I mean, we know from He Who Remains about, you know, the multiversal war and this and that. But who knows how much of that was true? And it's like Mm. where not only how much of that was true, but I even from just like a technical standpoint, like where did all the materials to build the TVA come? Like, I mean, Kang is very powerful, but he can't just make things out of thin air. So it's like, where did all this (laughs) stuff come from? Where did you know? I don't know. I just I'm really interested to, like I said, get more into the whole lore of the TVA and this little pocket of the MCU that we're in. And yeah, I just, again, going back to what Jeremiah said, I'm just excited to see where all these characters are, where they ended up, the ones that we haven't seen yet, and even the ones we have seen, like going back to the whole consequences thing. I'm just excited to see how everyone reacts to what, what has happened, you know? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And yeah, I think, um, I'm quite excited to see, um, how things go with Loki. I'm still a bit nervous with this whole six episode format, but I think this is the only, you know, Loki season one made the best use of it uh, because sometimes I'm just worried that we're going to have too much to wrap up. Hmm. But, you know, um, the creative team have my have my trust and, you know, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Finally, um, this is a little off topic now, but I just thought since we're talking Marvel Disney Plus, I just wanted to quickly, quick, quick thoughts from you guys on basically what's gone on with like Daredevil Born Again. Um, you know, for those who don't know, as a combination of like either due to quality control or things to do with the outcomes of the strikes. Um, basically, Daredevil Born Again that had been filming for six months prior to the strikes you know, it's all been canned. All the writers and directors have kind of been let loose. Um, the report is that Marvel Disney is going to try and revamp what they do, how they produce television in Disney Plus. Um, and yeah, they're going to restart everything. I think Daredevil is kind of the main one that to talk about, you know, everything about people thought it was too boring. Um, apparently he never suited up as Daredevil till episode four all sorts of things and obviously we saw what secret invasion was um so where are you guys on <laughs> in terms of like this sort of revamp uh fat four go uh, i i think it's a good thing i think i think a lot of people are kind of making it bigger than it really is in my opinion i think you know a lot of shows go through massive revamps and to me Take as long as you need to make it right, to make it good, to make it Mm -hmm. how it should be made. If that means completely wiping the slate and starting over, then by all means, wipe the slate. And I would also say, too, I think that if anything, these changes are going to make it closer to the Netflix series as opposed from further Mm -hmm. away from it. I think a lot of people are jumping on this thinking like, oh, they're just they're changing all this stuff. I think it's kind of the opposite. They're doing this to make it closer to the Netflix stuff. That means foggy. That means Karen. 
That means, you know, uh, Nelson Page and Murdoch uh, Law Firm, all that stuff. I think I think just take a step back for a minute, let the writers and everything do their jobs and then judge it when it comes out. That's what I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeremiah, what do you think? I agree with that sentiment. I think the show isn't out yet. It's still, I mean, I guess it's, is it pre is it pre-production when they're already filming? Like it's still, it's production. Filming. We have production. Yeah, so it's in production. It's sad in the sense that we now know as viewers, we're going to have mm-hmm. to wait a little longer and we don't know what it means. It's sad for the people who previously put in their efforts to the yep. show that all, all that maybe there'll be stuff they can draw from it. But mm-hmm. as of now, everything they've done so far is just not going to amount to anything. That in a sense is sad, but that doesn't mean that it can't still be useful. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that the final product that does come out can't still be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I echo you guys sentiments like, you need to start, you know, having again quality control. Like, make sure you're happy with what you're putting out. I'm very sick of when like studios or people or companies put out stuff where you can tell they don't even believe in it. Um, I feel like you should make sure you're putting your first, um, your best foot forward. Um, and in terms of like changing processes and stuff, do what you need to do, you know, do what you need to do to avoid getting into this point, you know um bef- with anything else like you don't want to be six months into a project and say right let's scrap it how you s- look at how you can change your process so you can do it sooner if you want to go back to the old school stuff of doing a pilot and things like that you know whatever works but i think as a fan you know you want it to go well and like jeremiah said big shame to the people who are, i know like no one goes into this stuff and like i'm gonna make crap on purpose no like you know big shout out to them they've put in their effort Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, hopefully, you know, those guys can all go on and do greater and better things. Um, and hopefully we also get a show that everyone is happy with. But I just thought it would be good for us to just give quick thoughts on that. Again, since we're talking about Marvel Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. One more thoughts on Marvel Disney Plus. I'm hoping to God, like as much as we don't always see retcons, I'm just hoping to God that we can just see a post credit scene where one of the bombs that Doc set off is in the timeline where the finale of Secret Evasion happens. Because you reminded me that that shit exists. <laughs> it just needs to go. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm keeping that as my head cannon because I, yeah, I don't think we should be revisiting that, that whole storyline anymore at all. Right, guys, um, thanks for chatting with us on Loki Season 2. Um, just to wrap up, like we said, it's popcorn for dinner on all platforms. We've got episodes of Gen V coming true. You should have one for the latest episode pretty much right now. We had the final seasons of Sex Education and Top Boy and also Winning Time, as well as the Continental for all of our John Wick fans. Um, and yeah, just you know, check us out. Um, and I want to say a big thank you to my guests. I want to say thank you to Fat Four. Um, told you know anything you want the people to check out from you. Um, 
Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i one-third of the hosts for a podcast called The Sons of Mjolnir. That's Mjolnir like Thor's hammer. Uh, we do comic book uh, news, comic book reviews, interviews, all that kind of great stuff. And then you can also check me out over at The Streamer. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-R. And I'm the comic editor over there, so I do comic book reviews. I re- uh, do breakdowns for Loki. And, I mean, the site itself, we have reviews on all sorts of stuff, movies, TV, video games. So, yeah, you can find me there. Find me on Twitter, fat, uh, the Fat Thor, And I'm always down to talk comics. Come find me. Awesome, awesome. It was a pleasure having you on. And, you know, when you mentioned Sons of Mjolnir, I'm like, I hope no one listens to this. And it's like, hmm, I should start a Sons of Stormbreaker podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Cool. Um, Jeremiah, thank you so much. Uh, anything you want to put out to the to the, to the the crowd? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with a mysterious stay tuned. Um, I don't know. Just, just in case I ever actually do something that is worth plugging on the podcast, um stay tuned <laughs> but i i will probably i'll be back on later episodes of um this season as well um probably all of them if if banky lets me and if, as long as he doesn't get tired of me coming up with more time travel theories or whatever but yeah and um so yeah i will see you guys or you will hear me again gonna, next week no worry we're all gonna get management's rough for how long we've gone on this but <laughs> <laughs> i mean you It'll could always fun. like hit me up on <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, or any of all those things. Like, if you wanted to talk Loki, or you wanted to exchange theories, or interact with, you hate something I said in the episode, or I did a terrible, awful thing. Like, you can just call me out <laughs> on it or whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, like guys, leave reviews, leave comments. Um, you know, we're gonna obviously tweet these out, put them on Instagram, reply with anything you think, share it with your friends who watch the show, use it to get your friends to watch the show, and tell them that you know. If, if people are having these kind of conversations then that means the show is good um but yeah no it's been it's been a pleasure to be your host today and hopefully we'll see you guys next week with the next episode thank you <laughs> <laughs>